Chapter 12 of The Side of Angels by Basil King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter 12 He hurried, because inwardly he was running away from the figure he had cut. Never had he supposed that in any one's time of need, to say nothing of hers, he could have proved so worthless. And he hurried because he knew a decision one way or the other had become imperative. And he hurried because his failure convinced him that so long as there was a possibility that Rosie cared for him secretly, he would never do anything for Lois Willoughby. Whatever his sentiment toward the woman friend of his youth, he was tied and bound by a stress of a love of which the call was primitive. He might be over-abrupt, he might startle her, but at the worst he should escape from this unbearable state of inactivity. So he hurried. It had stopped snowing, the evening was now fair and cold. As it was nearly six o'clock, his father would probably have come home. He would make him first an offer of new terms, and he would see Rosie afterward. His excitement was such that he knew he could neither eat nor sleep till the questions in his heart were answered. But on reaching his own gate, he was surprised to see Mrs. Willoughby's motor turn in at the driveway and roll up to the door. It was not that there was anything strange in her paying his mother a call, but to-day the circumstances were unusual. Anything might happen. Anything might have happened already. On reaching the door, he let himself in with misgiving. He recognised the visitor's voice at once, but there was a note in it that he had never heard before. It was a plaintive note, and rather childlike. "'Hoena, what's become of my money?' His mother's inflections were as childlike as the others, and as full of distress. "'How do I know, Bessie? Why don't you call Archie?' "'I have asked him. I have just come from there. I can't make out anything he says. He's been trying to tell me that we've spent it, when I know we haven't spent it.' There were tears in Edith's voice as she said, "'Well, I can't explain it, Bessie. I don't know anything about business.' From where he stood with his hand on the knob as he closed the door behind him, Thor could see into the huge, old-fashioned, gilt-framed mirror over the chimney-piece in the drawing-room. The two women were standing, separated by a small table which supported an azalea in bloom. His stepmother, in a soft, trailing house-gown, her hands behind her back, seemed taller and slenderer than ever in contrast to Mrs. Willoughby's dumpiness, dwarfed as it was by an enormous muff and encumbering furs. The latter drew herself up indignantly. Her tone changed. "'You do know something about business, Ina. "'You know well enough about it to drag Len and me "'into what we never would have thought of doing "'if you and Archie hadn't—' "'I? "'Why, Bessie, you must be crazy.' "'I'm not crazy, though God knows it's enough to make me so. "'I remember everything as if it had happened this afternoon.' "'There was a faint scintillation in the diamonds "'in Enid's brooch and earrings as she tossed her head. "'If you do that, you must recall that I was afraid of it from the first. Bessie was quick to detect the admission. "'Why?' she demanded. "'If you were afraid of it, why were you afraid? "'You weren't afraid without seeing something to be afraid of.' Mrs. Masterman nearly wept. "'I don't know anything about business at all, Bessie.' "'Oh, don't tell me that,' Bessie broke in fiercely. "'You knew enough about it to see that Archie wanted our money in 1892.' "'But I hadn't anything to do with it.' "'Hadn't anything to do with it? Then who had?' "'Who was it suggested to me that Len should go into business? "'One evening, in the Hotel de Marson, after dinner? "'Who was that?' 
If I said anything at all, it was that I hated business and everything that I had to do with it. Oh, I can understand that well enough, Bessie exclaimed scornfully. You hated it because you saw already that your husband was going to ruin us. Come now, Ina, didn't you? Mrs. Masterman protested tearfully. I didn't know anything about it. I only wished that Archie would let you and your money alone, and I wish it still. Very well, then, Bessie cried, flinging her hands outward dramatically. "'Isn't that what I'm saying? "'You knew something. "'You knew it, and you let us go ahead. "'You not only let us go ahead, but you led us on. "'You could see already that Archie was spinning his web like a spider, "'and that he'd catch us as flies. "'Now, didn't you? "'Tell the truth, Ina. "'Wasn't it into your mind from the first, long before it was in his? "'I'll say that for Archie, that I don't suppose he really meant to ruin us, "'while you knew he would. "'That's the difference between a man and his wife.' The man only drifts, but the wife sees years ahead what he's drifting to. You saw it, Ina. When his stepmother bowed her head to sob into her handkerchief, Thor ventured to enter the room. Neither of the women noticed him. I must say, Ina, Bessie continued, that seems to me frightful. I don't know what you can be made of that you've lived cheerfully through these last eighteen years when you knew what was coming. If it had been coming to yourself, well, that might be borne. "'but to stand by and watch for it to overtake someone else, "'someone who's always been your friend, someone you liked, "'for I do believe you've liked me in your way and my way, "'that, I must say, is the limit. C'est la passe les bonnes. "'Now, doesn't it?' "'Mrs. Masterman struggled to speak, but her sobs prevented her. "'In a way it's funny,' Bessie continued philosophically, "'how bad a good woman can be. "'You're a good woman, Ina, of a kind, that is, "'You're good in as far as you're not bad, "'and I suppose that for a woman that's a very fair average. "'But I can tell you that there are sinners "'whom the world has scourged to the bone "'who haven't begun to do what you've done "'during these last eighteen years, "'who wouldn't have had the nerve for it. "'No, Ina,' she continued with another sweeping gesture, "'upon my soul I don't know what you're made of. "'I almost think I admire you. "'I couldn't have done it. "'I'd be hanged if I could. "'There are women who've committed murder "'and who haven't been as cool as you.' They've committed murder in a frantic fit of passion that went as quick as it came, and they swung for it, or done time for it. But they never have had the pluck to sit and smile and wait for this minute as you waited for it, when you saw it from such a long way off. It was the crushed attitude in which his stepmother sank, weeping into a chair, that broke the spell by which Thor had been held paralysed. But before he could speak, Bessie turned and saw him. "'Oh, so it's you, Thor. Well, I wish you could have come a minute ago to hear what I've been saying.' "'I've heard it, Mrs. Willoughby.' "'Then I'm sure you must agree with me, "'or rather you would if you knew how things have been managed in Paris eighteen years ago. "'I've been trying to tell your dear stepmother that we've been mistaken in her. "'We haven't done her justice. "'We've thought her as just a sweet and gentle ladylike person, "'when all the while she's been a heroine. "'She's been colossal, as Clytemnestra was colossal, and Lady Macbeth. "'She beats them both.' "'for I don't believe either of them could have watched the sword of Damocles taking eighteen years "'to fall on a friend and not have had nervous prostration, while she's as fresh as ever.' "'He laid his hand on her arm. "'You'll come away now, won't you, Mrs. Willoughby?' he begged. "'She adjusted her furs hurriedly. "'All right, Thor, I'll come. "'I only want to say one thing more. "'No, no, please. "'I will say it,' she insisted, as he led her from the room, "'because it'll do Ina good.' "'It's just this,' she threw back over her shoulder, "'that I forgive you, Ina. "'You're so magnificent that I can't nurse a grudge against you. 
"'When a woman has done what you've done, she may be punished by her own conscience, but not by me. I'm lost in admiration for the scale on which she carries out her crimes.' By the time they were in the porch, with the door closed behind them, Bessie's excitement subsided suddenly. Her voice became plaintive and childlike again, as she said wistfully, "'Oh, Thor, do you think it's all gone? That we shan't get any of it back? I know we haven't spent it. We can't have spent it.' Since Thor was Thor, there was only one thing for him to say. He needed no time to reflect or form resolutions. Whatever the cost to him, in whatever way, he could say nothing else. "'You'll get it all back, Mrs. Willoughby. Don't worry about it any more. Just leave it to me.' But Bessie was not convinced. "'I don't see how that's going to be. If your father says the money is gone, it is gone, whether we've spent it or not. Trust him.' Nevertheless, she kissed him, saying, "'But I don't blame you, Thor. If there were two like you in the world, it would be too good a place to live in. And Len and Lois think the same.' He got her into the motor and closed the door upon her. Standing on the doorstep, he watched it crawl down the avenue like a great black beetle on the snow. As it passed the gateway, his father appeared, coming on foot from the electric car. End of chapter 12